Welcome to the Preservation Technology Podcast, the show that brings you the people and projects that are advancing the future of America's heritage. I'm Kevin Ammons with the National Park Service's National Center for Preservation Technology and Training. Today we join NCPTT's Debbie Smith as she speaks with Robert Melnick, Professor of Landscape Architecture at the University of Oregon and author of Climate Change and Landscape Preservation, a 21st Century Conundrum, which appeared in the 2010 volume of the APT Bulletin. Today they will discuss topics addressed in the article. Welcome to the podcast, Robert. Could you begin by telling us how you would define a cultural landscape? Sure, Debbie. It's great to be here. I think the first thing to think about is that you've got to think about not just cultural landscapes, but historically significant cultural landscapes. If you think about many old buildings that are not truly historically significant, it's the same issue with cultural landscapes. So for me, a cultural landscape is really any landscape that's been modified by people. That doesn't mean that it's a significant cultural landscape. And that's really where I think some of the confusion comes in and where it's important to differentiate between just a landscape, a cultural landscape, and a significant cultural landscape. That's why we go through the National Register process, documents like Bulletin 30 for the National Register, so that we're sure that we're really looking at what's important about that landscape, not just that it exists. From a geographer's point of view, you might say that every landscape is a cultural landscape. Well, that's a very good distinction. It really helps in understanding, especially for someone that maybe isn't familiar with what a cultural landscape is. And how would you describe the difference between preserving a cultural landscape how is that different than an historic building, per se? Well, I think all resources are dynamic, and buildings are clearly dynamic. But landscapes are dynamic at a rate and a pace that is dramatically different than buildings. You can actually, in your lifetime, under normal conditions, you can see that landscape change. Whereas for a historic building, if it's well taken care of, you really can't. The other differentiation is that a landscape by definition, will change. An important issue here is that you, in fact, want a landscape to change. And that goes very much against what I like to call very traditional and now rather old-fashioned preservation dogma, which basically describes a goal of preservation as arresting all change. So for a landscape, you want it to change. You just want to manage that change and have it change within certain boundaries and within certain limits. And so in terms of climate change on cultural landscapes, what do you see as some of the potential impacts? Well, I think there are many, many impacts that we're already seeing and certainly that I think unless some major changes happen in our global systems, they will happen more. So just here are a couple of them. One is rising sea levels, which will undoubtedly affect coastline landscapes. Another is the change in rainfall, whether more or less, that will affect plant communities. Another is the change in temperature that can also affect plant communities. So just things like that that you would associate with change to the natural systems that we're understanding are being impacted by climate change, the same kind of changes will take place for cultural landscapes. And how might this affect the zones that plants are growing today? 
Well, I think it's already affecting them. Certainly here on the West Coast, we're finding that certain grape varieties are growing further to the north than they were 50 years ago, and they're not able to grow as far south as they were. So very slowly, very, very incrementally, that those plant zones are moving. Now, the other piece of this, which I don't, which I have to mention here, is that even though it's a global problem, we do understand that climate change affects different landscapes in different ways. So it's a global problem that impacts landscapes at a very local level. So you may, in fact, have some valleys here, here in Oregon, some landscapes which are minimally or perhaps even not at all affected by climate change. Maybe perhaps eventually they will be many, many years from now, whereas other landscapes are being affected right now by that. So even though we think of it as a global problem, it impacts landscapes at a very local level. Well, could you give us an example of perhaps a recognized cultural landscape or landscape feature that could be potentially impacted by climate change? Well, sure. Just take the Kentucky bluegrass, for example, which is a, which is a great example, where that landscape really over centuries has thrived in a climate and an environment that is slowly changing over time. So it's very possible, and again, I don't know this yet, but I can envision it. It's very possible that that ecological system will change so much that the basic quality of it, which is the bluegrass and all the associated ecological components of that, will no longer thrive in that larger climate. And therefore, you'll have an impact not only on the turf itself and literally the bluegrass itself, but you'll have an impact on walls, on stone walls, on wooden fences. You'll have an impact on the architecture that's there over time. Another example that I could give you is Hanalei Valley on the North Shore in Hawaii, which is a very prime taro growing area. And although Hawaii, we believe, is being less affected by climate change than other areas, eventually, unless major changes happen, it will be. And then the kind of wetland environment that taro thrives in may in fact start to dry up or it may in fact get wetter. Climate change isn't always climate warming. Sometimes it can be increased precipitation or it can be decreased precipitation. What do you see as some uh, possible actions in response to these potential impacts? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is support a broader global understanding that climate change is really happening. And as you know, there are a lot of people out there who are saying, no, it's not happening. And, you know, I'm not a scientist, as you know, but I believe, in fact, climate change is happening. Many scientists believe it, too. So the first thing to do is to increase a level of, of education. The second thing to do is to increase attention to that on the part of all governments nationally, to try and turn the course on those actions that are increasing climate change. So those are kind of global and they apply to both natural and cultural systems. In terms of cultural landscapes, I think in our lifetime we're going to have to think about redefining what we mean by character-defining features. We may have to say, you know, that feature that was character-defining really no longer exists and therefore we have to think about it differently. We may also have to think about what we mean by appropriate treatment. So now if an LA of oak trees dies on a very significant landscape, the preferred treatment is to replant those oak trees. But if the oak trees are dying because the climate has changed so much that they can no longer thrive, 
it's sort of silly to replant the same oak trees. So you may have to think about what we mean by by character defining. Is it the larger characteristic of the landscape or is it the actual physical feature? And finally, I just for a third example, I think that we may have to practice what I've been calling landscape triage. We may, in fact, have to say, if it comes to this, that there are certain landscapes that really we cannot save because it's beyond our ability, but we want to record them, we want to make sure that we know what they are, and we want to keep good records of them so that we understand their importance in the cultural history of our country and of the world. Well, thank you, Robert, for talking with us today. Well, thank you very much, Debbie. It's been my pleasure. That was Debbie Smith interviewing Robert Milne. If you'd like to learn more about this podcast, visit our podcast show notes at the National Center for Preservation, Technology, and Training website. That's ncptt.nps.gov. Until next time, goodbye, everybody.